Hi, I'm Shane Hurlbut. I'm an ASC cinematographer, and I wanted to kind of talk to you about something. Getting started in this industry is almost impossible. And my wife, Lydia, and I, 14 years ago, created a resource called Filmmakers Academy to make it possible. We saw a lot of gatekeeping in this industry and not a lot of sharing knowledge. So we wanted to pull back the curtain, give you confidence, teach you all the necessary skills to be an amazing, successful filmmaker, and package it all on this online resource that you have at your fingertips, on set, on your phone, on your laptop, whatever it is. So we're going to give you $50. So if you go into the show notes, click the link, and hit the promo code FAPOD50, you're going to get $50 on your first year of an all-access membership. And I cannot wait for you to join our immense and immersive community at Filmmakers Academy, where we network, we share knowledge, we just bond as this huge filmmaking uh, resource to ignite your creativity and push you beyond your boundaries. I cannot wait to see you in the Academy, and let's get to the podcast. Welcome to another episode of our Inner Circle Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the power of community to amplify your success. And this is going to be, we're going to go through the history of how Lydia and I grew up, about how the church was like the epicenter of the community, uh, filmmaking success, you shouldn't be an island. We're going to go uh, to the onset crew and the producing crew, how you can really unite that community. Uh, how we've built our business team, um, and then inspiration and creative ideas, like who do you surround yourself with to help you generate all these amazing ideas? It can't be just you. Uh, and then networking and trusting referrals. All right, so let's get to it. communities. And I really want to share the way that I grew up because I think it was spectacularly unique in oh, setting absolutely. in setting both of us up for success in our lives and in our families at that time. So, my family had a crisis and that was that my mom had a postpartum psychotic episode. That, w that really came out of the, the blue for her after I was born. And life happens, things happen, and it was really the community of Aurora, New York. It was the people. It was the my father's friends that set up my life for stability, for joy, for so much so that I was not so impacted by this traumatic event. And I think that this really matters. And I look at the people that were the greatest influences to me, and they all came from that small town. So it was my neighbor, Ann Leffingwell, that 
really was my go-to person as my female role model. And it was the Irving family that took me in when my dad traveled and when he had to go out of town and it wasn't appropriate for me to go along with him. So all of a sudden I was injected into the Irvings, a family of six, and I became their seventh kid doing chores, doing everything. And Again, it was the acceptance and the love and the the showering me so that I didn't feel like the weird one whose mom wasn't there. Right. And and I've never felt that way. I've always felt secure and defined. And it was because of that community. So I think what makes it extraordinary and really the point that I want to hit with this, and this is why I'm so passionate about communities, communities are the epicenter for belonging. And they, whether it's a film community, whether it is your personal, you know, gym community, <laughs> but they combat things that are so prevalent today, like loneliness and anxiety and right. depression. They, they give you inspiration. Communities have this positive, loving ripple effect. When you don't see answers, they help you brainstorm in that moment. So many great things. Yeah. I mean, I think I remember like the church being the epicenter to our whole town. Right. And, you know, it was the center point of the community. You had the dish to pass, you know, every month where you would, I would remember uh, me getting up early to help my mom cook the dish to pass. And then we would bring it in the car. And I remember driving the 25 miles to, <laughs> to church and smelling that delicious thing the whole time and knowing that I couldn't eat it till we, you know, ended the thing. There was AA meetings. There were support groups in the, in the, uh, church. Uh, some churches had preschools. So, you know, your kids went to the preschool. Uh, if there were hospital visits, the whole church community went and went around to was, uh, you know, ailing in the hospital. This kind of, this is kind of, gone away. It really has that I think with technology and my dad was the minister. So I really was at the center of that being a preacher's kid. Right. And, you know, it's a spotlight you don't always want. But <laughs> I think that being, you know, communities prevent being an island. And so this is how we grew up. This is why they're so important to us. And I think to shift it and make it relevant to filmmakers now, filmmaking is a team job. And with the change of technology, with everything happening in the world and more isolation than, than ever because families are separated and you may be in a city to do a project away from your family. It's your film community that really is your go-to resource and you should be in multiple communities. I mean, it's not like there's just one. So I think that what creates the success from that community, and this is something that I really feel, you know, passionate about is you get to know other filmmakers. They become your friends. They become your family when you're not near your own family. And think about on a movie set, your film family, especially if you're apart from your own for six months on a movie, is your family. Yeah. And I think this island thing has really happened since the pandemic because I felt it. Uh, 
I was asked, you know, I think it was May or June, right? So the pandemic happened 2020 March. I was heading up to British Columbia, I think in mm -hmm. June. So we're talking three months and we're into the pandemic and we're, I was asked to quarantine for 15 days. I was called by mm -hmm. the, you know, by British Columbia, you know, e each day to make sure I was, you know, staying in my place, that I was uh, getting tested. groceries in, that I was tested, all mm -hmm. this stuff. So it started the island thing for me because I used to go out and hang out with all of my team members all the time. And that was something that could not be done because you were voiding that bubble after you left the set, right? Mm -hmm. If you went out together for dinner and you went and, you know, they weren't masked because you were in a environment that wasn't the film set. So you were constantly going, oh my God, I don't want to, I don't want to put the production at risk. I don't want to mm -hmm. get anyone sick. So you just stayed in your place. And I did that for four or five movies during the pandemic. And this last film or series that I'm on right now, I finally started to come off the island and start to hang out with people. And we would play pickleball together on weekends. We would go see movies. We would, would do, do everything that I used to do before the pandemic. And I think it really is creating a lot of the mental health problems yeah. that we're seeing today, not only for people in the film industry. And I, this is so close to my heart because of my mother and her and her circumstance and like normalizing these mental health issues. Right. But I think it's also, you know, anxiety, fear, all of the things that, that the pandemic created then rippled through. So everybody's trust was less because everybody, you didn't know, oh my God, do they have COVID? Do I not? I'm, I can't compromise my ability to work, all of these things. And they're still playing out because, you know, this year we've gone back to normal, quote unquote, much more so, I believe, but we still don't know what's coming our way. There's still a, a, a lack of trust, right? Because they're like, oh my gosh, another wave's coming. What does that mean? How does that look for filmmakers, for communities? And I think the, the power of knowing your neighbor, of knowing these people, of having your support group, you know, one thing that we started that was super special to me, and I think this is where the innovation comes comes in is all of my high school friends during the pandemic one of the things that we did that we you keep did that up group chat we do the group talk and we all got on the phone to support each other during that time just catch up relate not be so lonely and not be so isolated and it's something that we've kept going so the benefits as a filmmaker because I want to get make sure that we get this back to filmmaking yeah. are that it's a resource pool for you. A community really is that resource pool. It also provides you referrals because you trust the people. And if somebody's not available to do something, they're going to refer people that they trust and know, their friends. Yeah. So I think the, the direct benefit of this community not only is that ripple effect, but it's also to learn and to be inspired. So I think those three 
elements are absolutely critical in keeping you honest and moving forward in your career to challenge yourself. Communities challenge you. You know, if you're if you're not sure what to do or in trouble on set, having that those people that you trust to go to. Oh, absolutely. Bouncing just I mean, this last film was me finally coming off the island. Yes. Because I I was that person. I was the island. I was respecting. I had done four or five movies for a producer that was very uh, strict with COVID compliance. And for a great reason. She kept her, all our sets healthy. And, you know, we had very, very few cases of COVID because of the, impl- the implications uh, that she put in to the protocols and etiquette. Mm-hmm. So the white papers were one thing, but it then this producer had a whole other list of stuff that we had to live and abide by. Yes. And so I was on that island because I was respecting that producer's protocols and etiquettes. And I finally got off of it on this last film. And I was going out to dinner and we were having discussions with the uh, with the camera grip electric teams, they were talking about their kids. Then I would have something that happened with Miles, and I would talk to Roberto, who's my co DP on this project, and he would say, "Oh, I had that issue with my son, and you know this is what I did, and it worked really well." And then I would go to Miles and say, mm-hmm. "You know, I would." So this they're they're not just talking about referrals with with work this is like helping you as a community bounce off ideas off of each other to help in your family to help in your relationship these are this this was like a, a massive mm-hmm. uh eye opening for me because i had been locked in whether it was a room or an apartment or whatever it was for four or five movies. And finally the white papers dropped, the masks came off and we could, you know, be with each other, drive in cars together with each other. So we could have conversations along a two hour drive to location that could be getting work done, but also just shooting the shit and talking about whatever, you know? And I think the, the mental health benefit of that is huge because you go down a rabbit hole of overthinking, or it's really easy to get into just work, 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 work when you're so isolated in, you know, prep. And then all of a sudden you realize like, wow, I'm, I'm on my way to burnout and we haven't even started working yet. Oh, I felt that on Musica. On Musica, I had prepped that thing with an inch of my life. Mm -hmm. And when I got to the movie, I was exhausted, uh, you know, to actually making it. Right. Uh, And, you know, it's just like trying to find that, you know, inner energy and core and that passion to to, you know, get every day done. So and it's the balance, because I think that this is where it gets really tricky, because when you're too alone or when things are out of balance, it's really those people in your community, the crew that pull you out, that check up on you and say, wow, you've been working a ton today. Like, let's go and get a beer. Let's go. Yeah. And <laughs> let's get, let, you know, it's like we would always do, let's do a pub night, you know, yeah. where we just go and have drinks and, 
you know, on, on this last thing, we would go to the karaoke bar that was on the Cape, you know, and we, and they'd get up there and a lot of them would be, you know, three or four beers into it and singing totally off key and we'd laugh our asses off. You know, it's like, and you also want to be at these events uh, and dinners and everything. Be curious, ask about their family, their kids, their hobbies. Try not to make it just all about work, you know. Exactly. And I think the other thing that's really important here is to look at not only the balance, not only are you burning out, not only are you constantly in fight or flight, which sets your body up for autoimmune problems, for heart disease, for type 2 diabetes, all of these things. But it's also getting to know these people so that when you have a need to have a difficult conversation, you're not doing it with somebody that you've just spent 30 seconds with. And a lot of times difficult conversations need to happen. Like, hey, maybe we disagree on the look for this, or, or maybe somebody's not doing their job to the best of their ability and you need to have that tougher conversation. Having a foundation with this person makes that so much easier when you go up to them and say, hey, I need to talk to you for a second because, you know, like the day didn't really go well. And and so what can we do to recalibrate? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's all those softer skills that come into play in leadership that are built through the relationships, the time spent together, the blessing of this community interaction. And I also think it's not just your crew that you're uh, having time with. Yes. It's also working with production. Um, one of the things that I did when I was working in Louisiana on a movie is I invited, because I'm a big foodie. So each week I would invite the producer out to a different dinner. And each time we would share the, uh, you know, I would buy one night, she would buy the other back mm -hmm. and forth, right? And sometimes her uh, production team would be with her and I'd bring a couple keys uh, and we'd just have these great meals together. And we'd sample the incredible restaurants of New Orleans. And that was something that I really wanted to show that, not only was I there for her as a friend, but also that I had her back and that if, you know, we were going over budget, come to me, talk to me. How mm -hmm. can I help you with this? You know, if this is too much, then I'll back down and think about a compromise. But these are the kind of conversations that you're having that then make the difficult conversations that you're saying on set when maybe, you know, a light. Uh, went down or the generator blew mm -hmm. up or whatever and they're coming to you and say Shane we got to get our day what are you going to do da, da 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 that softens that interaction because you've had the time to really have them get to know you as well as you get to know them outside of work yes. and this is critical and also to understand hobbies Things that take you out of that fight or flight stress are so critical for health. So understanding, and poor you, because you're married to somebody who doesn't care about food. Yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> it's like, why would I do that to myself? <laughs> but it's so, it's so important <laughs> to know people's hobbies and, and what they love. 
right? So I appreciate your food and all of your cooking. And I am the luckiest person. I'm just not a foodie. So, but from a business perspective, I think what's really important and looking at what I do here in the office. So what I love about this is you bring the set example and then the business example, because again, we're all entrepreneurs, is really looking at the team and and having that trust and and the brain trust. And that's really a lot of what I do with this business, right? It's business decisions are made from a much better place when it's more than one brain. And I think that that a trusted team a community, a film family, as I always call it, because I consider everything from the family systems perspective. This business is our family, and that's really how I view the members. That's how I view our internal team. And that is because that goes back to the core values of how we were raised. Yeah. And when it's a member of your family, you do anything you can to help them. And I think that that is so important because when you're recognizing your leadership from a value standpoint, from knowing your core values, from living through your core values, it really uh, has a presence and an elegance and a sincerity. And it, it, has a level of trust because you're living out who you are as a human being, whether it's on set, whether it's at home, whether it's in this educational environment. And it, and it really lets people know that in today's crazy world, they, we do care about you, you know, or they are cared for. And if they're struggling, because think about on set, when somebody's struggling, at, they have a sick kid at home, they have something going on, having that caring person check in with them and make sure that they're okay as part of their set film community makes all the difference in the world in their performance on that day right. versus let's go, right? And and I'm sure you have a million stories, but, but I remember very specifically um, the Viking as we called him. And he's he's such an incredible operator. And I remember one time when his daughter really was sick and I automatically reached out, just making sure that everything turned out okay. And, it, and, and he was so touched by that gesture. And those little things make all the difference because they make people feel seen and heard and valued. And then the creativity, the work ethic, that you get from those people will, they'll go to the ends of the earth for you. Um, and, and it's such a beautiful thing because you're doing it together. So I don't, I don't know if you want to say anything else on this point, because I feel like it's, it's, if you have any other examples. Well, I think the, the members call on me a lot, uh, and say, Hey, Shane, can you just help me out with this? Yes. You know, and that, I consider them family. We consider all our members family. Yes. And when they leave, we're all bummed out that they left, you know, and I want everyone to hear that because this is, we're not doing this uh, because <laughs> it, it it's a passion for us. We love this. Yes. We, we love 
you know, sharing the knowledge and everyone needs to understand that. And that when you join our community, it's, you're coming into a family business. Uh, we haven't ran out to get investors and be controlled by other entities. This is our own blood, sweat, and tears of building this business. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the commitment that we have to our members is pretty phenomenal, I think. It is. And the networking base and trusted referrals, and this again is community, right? So it's, it's what is so inspirational because I think communities do a number of things, one of which is they inspire. One of which is they they make you more creative because the more questions there are, the more you think about things, the more you look at something differently, and then your mind shifts. And it's also the, the gratitude ripple effect that comes in with a community where somebody thanks you and then you thank them for their perspective. And it's like this gratitude ripple effect that really changes lives. And I know my life was changed and has been forever altered because of my community. And that's really how I want this moving forward for this film community is to to really be life altering for people. And it's not it's not that we are altering their lives. It's everybody's doing the work, putting in the time, helping one another. But the tone has been set because you talk a lot about setting the tone on set, it's the same for communities. You know, we don't put one another down. We really lift up. It's the rising, you know, boats, rising tides lift all ships. There it is. <laughs> I got to get my analogies right and references. But that is so true. It's helping the next generation and really giving back in a way that we believe in and for the future. Yeah, and I, I also think that you also have to look at surrounding yourself with a team that can help you with your creativity. Yes. One thing that I thought that I had to do was I had to come up with every idea, every, the best shot, the best, you know, this. I, I had to do it all. And that is, first, you're not delegating. So that's going to sink you. Two, it's going to be so much for you. You're going to be stressed out to beat the band and you're not going to give your best. Mm -hmm. You as a cinematographer, you need to delegate and you need to not only lean on your gaffer and key grip, but I also lean on my assistant. And my assistant is a visual assistant. Back when in 2004, everyone said, every, every movie I took, they're like, who is your, what do you mean you have an assistant? You, you have camera assistants. I said, I, I know I have camera assistants. They're when production starts. But this person is my assistant, my visual assistant. She is going to help. And they're like, what is this person's duties? I said, well, what does an art department coordinator do? Uh, well, they balance the budget. They put all that kind of stuff in. They, they, I said, exactly. You know, we are going to produce our departments. We're going to produce camera, grip, and electric, and then work with you to find the the compromise to to what the vision is. Uh, you know, what the 
the vision without compromise has has delivered to you, right? This is what we want. And you tell us that we can't have all of it. So then we compromise. But finding a, a person or a group of people to bounce ideas off of, to help with the creative vision, takes that load off of you and enables you to be uh, one I can be much more engaged with you mm -hmm. as my partner. I can talk to my kids a lot more because I got my visual assistant doing all my shot list documents, putting all the stuff out. I got them also creating all the specialty cameras thing, building all the 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 documents to then just let me, you know, plug and play them. I mean, it takes so much stress off of me. And then by mm -hmm. using this person, uh, he or she is able to leverage, you know, creative ideas that you might not have thought of from them reading the script and having, and I, it's like one thing I learned from Mick G. He always said, the best idea is the best idea. It doesn't have to come from me. It can come from the craft service person and he'll do it in his thing and a craft service person, he'll turn it and the person's like, you know, like deer in the headlights. They're like, you know, and I'm like, yeah. And, and it's so good, but that's exactly what it's, it, you know, you gotta, I, I really love that the freedom, the creative freedom that having that assistant gives me to do so much of the, the work that is essential, but takes a lot of time. And it's mm -hmm. the kind of thing where I can't come off the set or let's say I'm in prep. I prep all day and then I go home at night and I got to continue to prep yes. where this, I don't. All the documents are sent. He or she is able to do it. And then they're submitted the next day. So I can actually have a wonderful conversation with you if I want to go to a movie, if I want to go out to dinner. These are the kind of things that I'm trying to do as a cinematographer mm -hmm. to lower my stress to, and by lowering the stress, you're keeping much more of a positive environment because you are projecting positive nature. You're projecting confidence. You got this. We're all over it. Everyone feels that. You come in every day with, how are you doing today, Shane? Freaking fantastic. And you're off to the races. And I would add that this visual co-collaborator keeps you frosty. Oh, yeah. And, and that is the greatest gift and the gift within communities. Because I've had coaches and mentors and... I still am a part of a number of groups my entire life, and they are in all different disciplines. And why do I do that? Why do I join these groups? Or why do I want a mentor or a, because it keeps me honest. It keeps me learning things. It keeps me challenged. It keeps me growing as a leader. Oh, it's great. My assistant, I'll come up with like some crazy ass shot. And uh, she'll look at it and she'll say, how is that supporting the story? And I'm like, ah, you're right. You know, <laughs> it just needs to be a lock off, you know, and I had a spinning around in circles and everything, you know, it's like, but yeah, it's like those, you get those moments where it's a, it's, you got to value the brain trust. 
yes. of these people coming in. Uh, there you want to be a part of it and you want to just surround yourself with uh, great creative people that can help you to de-stress you so you can have, so you're not getting divorced because you're never engaging with your partner, that you're, that you're uh, estranged, you know, your kids are completely not talking to you anymore. You know, these are the kind of things that happen when you're gone for six or eight months and you're not engaging with the family. So I found my assistant as an essential part of me being able to handle the stress of the set and also care for my family. And I love that. And the other thing that they bring, um, and, and this will kind of wrap it up, but think about the value of a community to do uh, uh, what worked, what didn't work. Your co- a post-mortem. A post-mortem, the co-collaborative part that is so essential. Because, you know, crews do this sometimes. Sometimes there's no time. But when you're really looking back at the at the project, at the days, and what went well, what didn't go well, it really allows you to take a moment and talk it through with somebody and learn from that. So the next project, then you can be like, okay, right, we're not going to make that mistake again and again and again. And again, you continue to community, community, community. You go on the lift gate after a Friday you sit down and talk to your crew and you talk to them, you know, what worked, what really went well, what didn't work. And then all of them have the uh, opportunity to, to uh, have a voice yes, and shape how the next week is going to go. Like, you know, we were having problems with that ballast over there, you know, constantly going down. And it's like, yes, I know I... I forgot to put the flag over it. So it overheated, da, 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 you know, all the, and so we got to be better about that, you know, because we lost 25 minutes for that thing with the hot restrike and everything. So it's like you postmortems are essential. And I, this is, I love this. And I love when you talk about it because now I see how I'm going to do my Fridays uh, now where I'm going to go to the grip truck, the camera truck and the electric truck. Uh, and just have a little post-mortem where we all get together. Yes. Uh, and it's it's the kind of thing where I want to do it. And, and everyone's rapping and trying to get out there as fast as possible. So you don't want to... Hold take, people up. No, you don't want to take the wind out of their sails because they obviously want to get back to their families. But I think if you set the tone mm-hmm. early on, like in prep, you, you, know, you talk to your gaffer and your key grip and your you know, key first AC and you say, I would love to have these postmortems every week. And, you know, when is the right time? Let's get together. Let's make sure that we all, you know, uh, corral at the end of the tailgate and we just have a little postmortem and it's five minutes and then we go on and I'm able to work my way around the trucks. And, and communities make you a better human being because they they also hold you accountable they hold you accountable and and think about the dinner table okay and i just want to go back to the dinner table for one second because the dinner table at my house was the smallest of the community it's the family community right but the dinner table was huge my dad made a big deal about dinner every night it's where we 
planned. It is where we went over things that he expected of me. It's where he would quiz me on things. It, you think about the power of the dinner table, and that is the community on set just widened by a lot, right? Yeah, and the whole accountability is awesome because like the first week on this last series, uh, my grip and electric teams and camera had no idea how this co-DP stuff was going to work. And the first couple of days, you know, Roberto and I were finding our rhythm and everything. And they were like the first week, they were like, you know, Shane, we, we're just trying, we get one answer from you and another answer from Roberto. And, and, you know, is there any way that you guys can sync up and all this kind of stuff? We don't stuff? know what to do. And, <laughs> and uh, we're like, you know, you're right. You know, it's like, I want to let me talk it through him yeah. before we, and it's in, you know, it's just like, we're figuring it the dynamic out as well as they're figuring it out. And we figured it out as a team by week two, they came to us and they're like, why doesn't every set run like this? It's so great. It's it so was great. so efficient. The ability to have two DPs on set is I was able to leapfrog. I was able to go up. So Roberto would continue shooting. He was on camera shooting the set. I would jump upstairs, look at the lighting for the next set that we were going in, get that all dialed in from a DP's lens and eyes, not the gaffer or the key grip. Mm -hmm. It's from my eyes that I know will be Roberto's eyes. And then all of a sudden we come up there and we're very close to being lit and boom, we're gone off again. You know, So it's like I saw the efficiency. Yes. I saw how productive we were within our schedule. And, you know, it's, and that accountability circling back to this community is like, that's something that they came to us and said, hey, can we try to get a little clearer with things? Yes. Because Roberto's saying he wants this flagged and you're saying, no, we don't need it. And, <laughs> you know, I just want us to get in sync here. And that's, that reminds me of the team here because we agree 99% of the time, but there's that 1%. And I know for the team, it's like, hey, we need you guys to be on the same page and then we'll do what you want. But it's like, let's just get on the same page. So it's the accountability thing. Yeah, and I love absolutely. that. <laughs> and then um, the... I think one other thing that's so interesting about this is communities allow you to uh, be vulnerable, to practice things that you might not be able to practice on set. I think about pitching or, you know, having something reviewed, looking at your work. Oh, I mean, that's a big one. That's because that people ask this of me a lot. The members ask me to look at their reels a lot. Yes. Uh, obviously, we have our one-on-one -on -one coaching. We also have our spotlight coaching, that that's something that I really want to do. I want to, instead of doing spotlight coaching, I want to do spotlight reel review, you know? Mm -hmm. So we get reels sent in and I pick four and then I break them down, you know? And then it would even be now, you know, thinking out loud, that would be a great thing to have Louisa, my agent, come back in and do the same exact thing. So you're hearing it from a cinematographer's perspective, and then mm -hmm. you're hearing it from an agent's perspective on the person that's actually marketing you. Yes. Uh, but in all of that, um, pitching yourself, showcasing yourself, mm -hmm. 
how you put yourself out in the world as a cinematographer is very much your calling card of your website and your reel. And uh, anytime that anyone can look at it and say, what were you thinking when you thought it was so great, you know? Because communities give you the perspective. Or on social media, it's like, why is that so confusing when you're supposed to be showcasing your work? I don't understand. You're showing all these different things. And so I think it's having the honest voice. It's having the person or people give gentle but yet really important feedback. Right. And it allows you to recalibrate in a way where you don't have to sacrifice yourself on set. And that's huge. Yeah. I mean, I, I, when talking with members in a, like the one-on-one coaching Mm -hmm. call, it's kind of like, you know, they are, they're like a Swiss army knife. So they have, their reel has DP work, operating work, you know, interviews, this, that, and the other thing. I'm like, you know, what do you want to do? What is your love? Because you can't do, this is where the Swiss army knife is more something once you've reached, a, a, you know, once you are a director of photography, then you can have the, the Swiss army knives of, of everything that got you there yes. engaged. But when you're trying to be a director, a camera operator, and a DP, pick one. And put all that focus on that one. It's so difficult to get in this industry to begin with, you know. So when you have started to make it, focus on one thing and just give it your all. And then, and have a supportive team that is around (laughs) you, that is honest, that can give you that uh, feedback that's that's very, uh, like you said, it should be loving and caring and and not just be a yes person. Because the worst thing I would want is to show you something and you just say, oh my God, it's great. Yeah, awesome. No, I want you to, to really tell me, yes. you know, what do you feel? And a lot of times for myself, the way that I do that is focus on what is great first and then say, this comes oh, by the way. <laughs> yeah, this <laughs> comes with all the love in the world or caring about you. But I really thought that that this part of your reel could have been shorter. It could have had different music. It could have been better. And here's why. Right. Here's why. So you uh, you don't just want to give hard to hear information. You want to also give the reason that you're saying that, and then maybe some ideas. So it's wrapped in a package. It has a wrapper on it, and it's not just hard hitting like that's horrible. Absolutely. And when it's all come down, get off the island and join the community. And that concludes this episode of the Inner Circle Podcast. Hi, I'm Shane Hurlbut, and I'm an ASC cinematographer. And my wife and I have created this incredible resource called the Filmmakers Academy. And we'd love for you to download and rate our app. If you're a filmmaker, do yourself a favor and download the Filmmakers Academy app today. It's available wherever you get your apps, most notably the App Store 
Google Play, Amazon App Store, and the Roku Channel Store. The app includes everything on the platform for All Access members, and from content to community and coaching opportunities, everything you need to master your craft. So download the app, and this is the most important part. Be sure to rate it. Rating us really helps us spread the word and enhance our rankings in this dedicated app store. So if you love what we're doing, this is a way to show it. Together, let's take your career as a filmmaker to the next level.